Hello, this is Seeking Alpha's Gil Weinrich with my regular Monday bi-weekly podcast. Today, I'm pleased to share the microphone with a distinguished guest, Jonathan Boyer, who is president of Boyer's Intrinsic Value Research, an independent research boutique established in 1975. He's also a principal of Boyer Asset Management, which manages money utilizing a value-oriented strategy, and he is a contributor to Seeking Alpha as well. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, terrific. Some market commentators anticipate a change in stock market leadership from FANG stocks to value stocks, particularly after the market turned down to the past two months. What do you think? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Basically, you're asking, has value investing time come after a long period of hibernation? And I wish I could give you an exact answer, but there's many different types of value investing. You know, the type of value investing that we practice, I would say, is more opportunistic. You know, we consider ourselves businessmen trying to buy the proverbial dollar for 50 cents. Mm -hmm. But there are you know, many names that we own are not considered traditional value stocks, you know, utilizing like a P.E. or price to book ratio. And a perfect example and one that we use a lot and actually coincidentally was one of the first the first stock we contributed to Seeking Alpha, or, or my, my father Mark did in 2011, was Madison Square Garden when it was around $26 a share. Today, it's roughly a little over $250. That company has and probably never will screen statistically cheap. It doesn't earn a ton of money relative to its assets. However, if you look at it on the some of the parts basis, it's significantly undervalued. I think the real questions that you kind of alluded to is, are we finally experiencing a change in leadership? And for many years, and up until the end of the third quarter of this year, it was led by FANG stocks. And because the stocks in this group were such large components of the major indices, you know, especially the S&P 500, their rise masked the carnage that was occurring in the overall stock market, especially among the, the less growthier names. You know, For example, at the end of the third quarter, despite the, the market being up around 10%, 40% of the stocks in the S&P 500 were in negative territory. So that advance was not democratic by any stretch. So now the fangs are making up for lost time. Each company in the group, I believe, is down between you know, 20 and 40% from its previous high. They've lost over a trillion dollars market cap from, 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 the, from their highs. And all the fang names, with perhaps the exception of Apple, were selling ridiculous multiples. So what will be the leaders going forward? I think personally, you know, it's going to be more of an eclectic mix of names that will lead. I think, you know, if you had to pick a sector that's out of favor that could do quite well and has traditional value characteristics, I'd, I'd say financials, particularly bank stocks, are, are attractive here. They're down about 8% for the year as a group. They sell for about 10 times next year's earnings and comprise a historically modest 14% of the S&P 500. But other than that, I really think the leadership will be more on a on a stock-by-stock -stock basis. You think that the banking sector is the one that has the greatest apparent value. What about the energy sector, which has really been crushed? That might seem to other observers as, as more attractive to value-oriented investors. What do you say about that? Yeah, you know, the energy sector, and I think this is what goes to the, to the earlier point is, you know, there's lots of different kinds of value, of value investors out there. There are ones who like, you know, stodgy coal companies that are boring. You know, we like companies with brands and moats. You know, energy stocks, you could be the greatest analyst in the world picking up these names and really, you know, tearing apart the company and knowing it extremely well. However, most of these names are dependent upon the price of oil. I mean, that's the, you know, the end game there. And you have to have a view on where the price of oil is going to be uh, for the stock. You have to be right knowing when to go in 
and when to leave. A lot of the names that we like are forever stocks, stocks that you want to own for a long period of time. And I think in the energy sector, that's not the case. You have to be more nimble, uh, which also, you know, especially for individual investors, you know, who, who, who are not investing in their retirement accounts, that leads to taxable events. And I'd rather find a stock that can hold like a Madison Square Garden for seven, eight, nine years and let the stock compound tax-free. That's a very interesting idea. I hadn't thought about it that way. That leads me to another question. There are some value investors that like stodgy stocks, but let's talk about some exciting ones. Would you say that FANG stocks have entered the value domain? Is it possible to consider them as such? You know, a lot of value investors have, you know, obviously the most prominent being, you know, Warren Buffett is, you know, a large holder in Apple, you know, before the decline, I don't know what his average price is. I personally, you know, there's so much uncertainty over a lot of them, you know, a Netflix, for example, they have obviously huge international growth There's a lot of attractive characteristics about the business, but you have to look, the most important thing is the price one pays for the business. And right now you're not getting it at an attractive price, even after it's gone down 20, 30% from, from its, from its highs. Plus, they have a lot of, you know, in a rising interest rate environment that they've been financing a lot of their production deals with 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 debt. And how does that play into the uh, equation going forward? So I, I would I would stay away. I think there are so many different ways you can make money in this market. You might as well make it easy on yourself and not you know go where everyone else is going. So tell us where do we find attractive buying opportunities today? To us, a big theme of ours over the last year and a half or so are orphan stocks. You know, we have this institutional research service besides our money management business. Every summer, the fall, we do a thematic piece on an industry theme that's out of favor. Last summer, our, our theme was, quote unquote, index orphans, stocks outside of the S&P 500 uh, or the major indices. We were a little early, but we thought an opportune place to invest would be in outside stocks that were not in the major indices. And then we took it a step further and actually started a strategy called the Boyer Orphan Stock Strategy, where we look for stocks that are either not in the major indices, have extremely negative self-sized sentiment, not covered by major brokerage houses. And we think that these are the stocks going forward that are going to do quite well. Um, they didn't participate as much in the upside over the last couple of years, but we think that gives us some downside protection going forward. And a lot of these names were buying 30, 40, 50%, 60% uh, discount to intrinsic value. Could you name a few names? Names that were that are interesting to us now, you know, a Liberty Braves, for example, um, which we actually also wrote for, uh, on Seeking Alpha a few years ago, is owned by uh, John Malone. He owns roughly 48% of the company or the, uh, the, the voting rights of the company. It's a tracking stock, and that's one of the reasons why it's quote-unquote orphaned. Tracking stocks, I believe, are not eligible for S&P inclusion, and it's a complex kind of ownership structure. But underneath the whole umbrella, you're basically buying two things. You're buying the Atlanta Braves baseball team. You're buying a 50% interest in uh, the stadium that they own, plus an exciting real estate development around the stadium. And we think if you marked everything to, uh, to the market and did a private market value analysis, right now the stock's trading for, I think, around $23 a share. We think it's worth you know, $34, $35. So it's, it's selling at a uh, significant discount to intrinsic value. And it, there's lots of positive catalysts going forward, one of which is they could potentially sell the team. You know, John Malone 
is not buying the baseball team because he loves didn't buy a baseball team because he loved baseball. He's uh, he's a big believer in content, and he's also someone who will sell at the right price. Uh, the legalization of sports gambling online in the U.S. is also going to be a big boon for companies like uh, the Liberty Raves, as well as companies like Madison Square Garden and others. So that's a, another positive catalyst. Hmm, that is interesting. And I'll invite you to offer one more idea of an orphan stock. But perhaps before we do, I want to ask, there are investors who might want to enter the market after the cycle of interest rate hikes are completed. Do you feel that there's any basis to that? Are you concerned about rising interest rates? Listen, it's certainly a concern, but we're at levels now where historic, I mean, we're still at extraordinarily low interest rates. If you look at it on a historical example, people are still getting, you know, 30 year fixed mortgages, you know, four, four or 5%. Consumers might take a little while to adjust to the kind of new paradigm of a rising interest rate environment. But overall, I mean, these are, as I said, not high by historical examples. And, and we're of the belief, and listen, we're not, you know, it's not the perfect way to invest, but you really have to take, put blinders on and just look at what the economics of each individual business you're buying. You'll always find a reason not to own a stock. Historically, you know, trying to time the market has not worked out well for most people. That is very well said. I like to end on a positive note. So I'm going to ask you a, a negative question first, and then we'll end on a positive note. Sure. What worries you right now? I mean, I think what you mentioned before, like to be honest, interest rates do worry me on a temporary basis. But I, I believe that will lead to opportunities. You know, the last couple of weeks for us, while it's no fun to lose money, we had kept it, you know, for, for most of the accounts we managed, you know, a decent cash position. And that's allowed us to put money to work at what we believe to be attractive valuation. So I, I think investors should view this as an opportunity. I wouldn't jump in with both feet right now. I, I you know, I think caution is warranted and you don't want to, you know, catch a falling knife and, you know, until the recent correction, maybe it would take us for a new account coming in, you know, a year, year and a half to be um, fully invested from day one, because we like to, to ease into positions. But now, you know, maybe that time has, has shortened. Um, and that's a good thing if, if you take a long-term approach to investing. I appreciate that cautionary device that really actually helps because too many times people talk about stocks with a little bit of an excessive ebullience without necessarily considering the potential downsides. Let's end on a, on a positive note. You had an intriguing concept about orphan stocks. Can you name one more orphan stock that might be good at a time like this? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, another company being in the financial industry, um, certainly there's a lot of negative sentiment out there. But a company like a Franklin Resources is also quite interesting. It's 40% owned by uh, the Johnson family. Um, they could potentially take the company private. So there's a, a kind of a, a floor in the stock, about 50% of the market caps in cash. You know, Franklin Resources, a large percentage of their business is international. So you have that international growth going. And they've been punished because, you know, they're a value shop. So this is a great way of kind of doubling down on value, because if, if this is the start of a, of a value rally after many years of hibernation, a company like Franklin should be extremely well positioned. So value is finally about to emerge after such an incredibly lengthy hibernation. These are potentially good ideas to consider. For more information on value investing, on Jonathan and his investment ideas, go to the Boyer Value Group on Seeking Alpha. 
and read his articles. In the meantime, I want to thank you very much, Jonathan, for speaking with me and to seeking out the listeners on this podcast. It was my pleasure, and thanks for having me on the show.